Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 14. This is going to be a bumper episode today. I'm going to be starting off with some very juicy Counter-Strike Global Offensive news. I'm going to be discussing a little theory of mine regarding the difference between North American teams and European teams. And then I'll be discussing the IBI Power Masters 2017 in depth and what it means for the NA region. We're brushing lightly over the first two days of IEM Oakland, which have been pretty crazy thus far. We'll be eviscerating a toxic player of the week, and then we're going to move on to a little section about adrenaline and how to avoid it in-game, and that's going to be special, so keep listening until the end. Are we rushing in, or are we going sneaky-beaky-like? So first up, a bit of keeping house. I'm back on a good connection after having moved house and being bereft of uh, internet. So I've been counter-striking basically every night. There's a new update out, as I'm sure you're aware. It hasn't changed much for me apart from making me feel like an infant because of the simplicity of the rank logos. Not sure that I'm a fan. Uh, I haven't played Agency yet, the new map. Um, And I'm also not sure whether the, the, the new trust ranking has affected me at all it seems like a good idea but as other people have pointed out you can buy commendations uh, other than that i mean it sounds like a fantastic thing i think the only part of counter-strike that i don't like at the moment is being queued with random toxic people so you know hats off to uh, to valve if this is this actually does nothing about that to be honest i've been playing with some listeners of this podcast and it's been wonderful to connect with some like-minded positive people One of the reasons I think I started this was because none of my really close mates were playing Counter-Strike. No one I grew up with really, um, you know, went to university with. So it's been nice to connect with you guys. And if you're out there and you're on the east coast of Australia, that's probably the best ping-wise, hit us up. Let's have a game. Um, Actually, the main reason I started this podcast, and this leads me on to my next point, was because I didn't really have anything to listen to in between pro matches. And I was kind of, I had the fever. I kind of got into CS maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, after having been playing it back in school. So there was a while in between. But uh, back in June, when I actually started this podcast, there was basically nothing to listen to. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are spoiled for choice. I'm going to give you a little rundown of the actual other podcasts that are out there because I want you to support them too. And if you enjoy this one and somehow found this without finding the others, there are a few new ones out there which you can listen to. Uh, so firstly, I would say make sure you listen to Per Sources. That's DK's new podcast, which is obviously as professional and lucid and interesting and relevant and informative as the man himself, as I'm sure you're aware of now. There's also one called Rush B that's out that uh, seem, is seeming to, seeming to get some of the scoops as well. Uh, there's another one called Real Sports CSGO that's had a few apps up and I found that on iTunes. The Score Esports, which has been around for a while and gets some good interviews with casters and analyst, uh, analysts. And then Return of By the Numbers, obviously, the granddaddy of them, which is on Richard Lewis's podcast. Anyway, let's move on. There is so much to talk about. Firstly, in the news, Steel has been uh, transferred to Liquid from Immortals which was an emotional moment. Tears flowed. People felt happy for Steel. Twist, Twist Z had a birthday. Love poured out for Zeus. Uh, I think it's nice that Steel has at least managed to be rescued from the water after the Immortals Titanic hit the KNG iceberg. Obviously, the guy's got a lot of goodwill in the community. 
and uh, he's found a new family, so to speak. I don't think the removal of Stan and the introduction of Steel is really going to change that team too much. I'd say probably to make a real change, JDM might need to be shuffled out for a younger, hungrier Orpa who can make plays on the other side of the map to twists. But I could be wrong. I haven't watched that much of Liquid. It's purely a gut feeling. Um, it's possible that Steel's positivity and sort of uh, youthfulness will allow Zeus to really use him, as we learned in one of Stan's twit longers. Zeus is basically the captain of the team and calls a lot of the strats. And, uh, uh, you know, even though Steel was the in game leader of Immortals, I'm sure having been rescued by this team and, and uh, speaking the same language as Zeus, he's going to be an asset in terms of you know playing for the team now uh, more news that's come tonight recently Snyder and Dennis have been benched from Godsent they're now open to offers I'm also hearing rumors that they're going to NIP along with Pronax but uh, I'm not sure who they would replace right now on NIP I mean NIP have just gone to the top of group uh, group A I think it is on group B whatever on one of the uh, groups at the IEM Oakland so they're firing all cylinders Rez had been bandied about but Rez has just been smashing it in the last few matches uh, the, the rumor as well is with Rez's Forest, which just kind of seems insane, but you know maybe that's required to shape things up. I haven't paying haven't been paying enough attention to NIP, even though they're one of my favorite teams. As far as I can tell, Snyder also hasn't been putting up the numbers recently, and nor has Dennis. Uh, this could be a toxic team environment. Dennis had a twit longer, um, similar to Stannis Laws, but he was really talking about how the team had never really gelled. I think it was formed about eight months ago. And seem quite disappointed now, Dennis. As, we, as, as we've talked about on this podcast before, he's known as the Pistol King. I think Rain has taken that mantle from him recently. So, well, time will tell whether that guy's going to come back. Uh, I've also mentioned he's got a kid now. He's, he's married, I think. Well, he's got a kid anyway. Things are different from that guy. He's probably not as hungry as he once was. But you know, uh, if you can find a team that needs a good mentor, or, or perhaps a team that needs that supportive pistoler, he may be good. It may be a good addition. Now, Pronax also has copped a lot of flack for not being the genius. He seemed to be after taking Fnatic the three grand final championships and then falling off really hard in terms of his win ratios after he left that side. So the whole rumor kind of confuses me. What would NIP gain out of this? Mm, it's obvious what you know Schneider or Dennis or Pronax might gain, but NIP, as Getright said on in an interview with Double Tap, that side really hasn't even sort of found their proper footing yet. Uh, Rez and Draken are really only just kind of beginning to trust themselves in terms of how they play. And uh, I'm sure we haven't seen the best out of that lineup yet. So that's a confusing rumor. And apologies if it all turns out to be Stardust. But anyway. Let's move on to a little theory of mine. And this is about the difference between North America and Europe. And the thing I do best in this podcast is pure wild speculation. So I've spoken about the soccer theory before, that playing soccer aids in spatial awareness and therefore it aids in playing CSGO. It increases your bubble of spatial awareness, which actually translate directly to CSGO, being aware of where a team is, being aware of uh, where the enemy team might be. But there's also an awareness of a team that is vitally important, um, and I mean your own team and how you can play along with them. And I think watching VP and SK play last week really made me think about the teams that struggle to attain that same pro level of cohesion. And I'm talking about NA teams mainly. So I had a theory about the difference between these guys. 
And this is quite general. I'm going to get quite general here, but I'm going to get very specific at the end of it. So bear with me. Now, America is, is basically all about being an individual in that country, right? Everybody's special. Whereas European culture isn't like that. Teamwork is still basically a thing. Social cohesion is still a thing. And partly, if I were to guess, I'd say it's because the countries are so close together in Europe. They've been that way for so long, they kind of have to get along. Whereas America only shares borders with Mexico and Canada. Australia, for instance, shares none. Australia is its own special case, but it's pretty similar to uh, the US, culturally speaking. Now, also being relatively recently colonized in America, there's, this, there's, a, there's a spirit of spatial pioneering that I reckon still exists, where the way their forefathers could have spread across the land, doing terrible things, mind you, it's still in the minds and the cultures and the, uh, how should I say it, the biological proclivities of these people. Uh, am I disappearing into my own ass now? Possibly. It won't be the first time in this app, I promise you. Now, Europeans, however, they've been packed into the same square miles for thousands of years. Uh, you might bring up Brazil at this point in which I would say I'm not actually quite sure. I'm the first one to admit I'm extremely ignorant of the history of Brazil and South America in general. So someone please inform me. But for the moment, let's stick with what I know. And that is the American culture is incredibly individualistic. You can do it if you've got the dream. And Europe is simply not that way. So actually, what I've found are some stats to back up my hunch. My very generalized hunch. According to the Pew Center for Research... Almost 60% of Americans believe it is more important to have freedom to pursue life's goals without state interference than for the state to guarantee nobody is in need. In European countries, on the other hand, more than half believe it is more important for the state to look after others. So essentially, this stat shows that Europe is more socialist, for one. But what that means is that Americans want to be left alone. They believe that they can be left alone and that life can be just as successful and happy when you are left alone and no one's interfering or regulating you. Since sort of thinking about this, we've seen some more cohesion from Cloud9 uh, recently, which is probably a good segue into the iBuyPower Masters. But I, I suspect that it's possibly because the more time these guys spend on the road, the more time they play as a team the more victories they get under their belt, the more they will actually bypass some of that natural individualism that is baked into you from you know, the age of two when you start watching television in, in, in the US and begin to cohere in the same way a European team might more naturally. Anyway, massive generalized theory. There we go. Bye bye Power Masters 2017. Now I wasn't able to watch all of this competition. Because I was dealing with life, life, life. But it was basically a best of North America comp with basically every NA team of note in the running, save SK. Cloud9 beat Liquid in the playoffs, which was close. Cloud9, as we talked about, far more cohesive. Uh, as you can see, and they're very, very evenly spread stats over these matches. JDM, Stannis Law had pretty hopeless maps. Rush did a fair bit, fragging like the demon we knew on Optic. And Renegades beat Optic in the other playoffs, which is disappointing because... I mean, obviously, yeah, the boys, but Optic is basically my new favorite underdogs, Freiburg and Alu. They're like the Ernie and Bert of Counter-Strike. I want to see those guys in their own cooking show where Freiburg's like trying to bake a sort of roast chicken or something or a cake and Alu keeps on trying to sneak hash into it. Mixwell, aka Jeff Goldblum, 
He's making a name for himself as the human statue. And I feel like Daddy Freiburg's adopted Majisk and HS like this little family. Actually, here's a better sitcom. Like Freiburg's the single dad. He's struggling with raising a family after his NIP wife left him. His offbeat, unemployed brother Alu moves in, who's like the lovable uncle you always wanted, but you knew was sort of a bad influence because his diet like mainly consists of cheesels and whatever takeout his tattooed girlfriend brings over. Majisk and HS are the adopted kids. Majisk's like the damaged orphan who's been from the abusive foster homes. HS is the wunderkind who went through the foster homes too, but like charmed his way through them. And Mixwell is like the weird but well-meaning neighbor who pokes his nose over the fence and then leaves presents on the doorstep when it's someone's birthday. Anyway, and Renegades seem to have worked out some team play that's looking a bit pro, which is very exciting. Uh, They'll be coming up in this podcast again later. They are improving very rapidly. Now, the finals was Renegades versus Cloud9. Commentators were Hugo and Dust. Now, obviously, I'm torn. This is some Aussies versus the great North American hope. I'm not a North American, but I'm but I've been predicting great things from Cloud9, so I simply want to be proven right. <clears throat> Actually, it's confusing to me whether I can really think about Renegades as an Australian team, even though there's three Aussie members, because they're actually owned by who is it from the NBA? Magic Johnson or whatever. Uh, that's not right. There was only a six-month window in my life where I cared about NBA, and it was probably January to July, like, 97. So excuse my outdated references. I don't think anyone... Yeah. Uh, map 1 was Mirage. Cloud 9 beat Renegades 16-9. Uh, Cloud 9 just kind of looks sneakier in general. So many of the highlights of big plays were just technique, positioning, out-positioning, out-faking, out-peaking. Uh, in between both maps, they're both looking pretty composed. It's almost like they're trying to outstatue each other. I haven't seen this little expression since that video leaked of Elise sleeping on a park bench. Map 2 was Train. Recently occurred to me that Train is harder to solo on than other maps because of the proximity of bomb sites. I'm going to have some water. Because of the proximity of bomb sites on Train, it's harder to save guns and it's easier to catch off rotates, which makes it a better litmus test, in my humble opinion, for good teamwork than larger maps like Overpass, Mirage, and Cobble. So if you're solo queuing, take Train off your map list. Put on Overpass, Mirage, and Cobble, and you might have an easier time of it. Renegades were looking pretty okay. They were up 8-4, but Cloud9 fought, fought back with the Deagles. Apparently, according to someone or other on Twitter, as of recording this podcast, day two of, of IEM Oakland, Cloud9 are up 7-0 on train which is the longest uninterrupted map win right now uh out of any of the teams automatic is just looking like a boss with a deagle right now especially on train if you let him get to e-box with a deagle you're probably going to lose the round cloud nine actually apparently went 11-1 on pistol rounds in the entire tournament so that's a crazy stat and this was all about the forces both teams got cz kills all over the shop and um, forcing on this map similarly has the benefit of proximity, as I was talking about. You don't have to fight long-range battles if you don't want. You can um, Not only can you kind of sneak your way up uh, Ivy, but um, you can avoid it if you want completely. Now, Cloud9 eventually won it on 1916 with a better movement strats. Mm, apparently, they have five top 12 finishes in the last two months, back-to-back championships. Naf got a huge amount of credit from the casters throughout, having some crazy performances recently. He's been really shining as a star on that team. In fact, him and Nifty have become the new benefit duo. Um, what are those other celebrity couples? Um, what was the other one? Who was it? Was it um, oh, Brangelina? Nafti is the new Brangelina. 
let's hope they don't start adopting kids. But those guys have been going off. Um, nice to know that uh, NAF in particular has found somewhere who can blossom after uh, not fearing too well on optic. This is good news for renegades, however, despite the loss, and I think it's a good step towards world domination. The more grand finals these guys play out, the better they're going to get. The more of their own demos they can watch against better opponents, the more they're going to improve. Yeah, the boys times five. This is very exciting. And I feel like we've got another team that is emerging from the shadows here to be a contender. The top 10 is so tightly contested, and uh, it's very exciting that um, a team that has been a write-off for so long Apologies, Mr. Uh, Chad Burchill is back on the radar in a big way. Now, you know what I'm going to sneak in right here in between Power Masters and IEM Oakland? And I didn't announce this at the beginning of the podcast, but it's a little theory of mine, and it's about Virtus Pro, one of my fave topics. Now, much has been said about Virtus Pro bombing online and showing up at the big events, rising to the occasion, so to speak. But actually, everybody's analysis seems to come down to, yeah, it's just VP. You don't really know when they're going to show up. But no one actually seems to have a new perspective on this, but I think I might. And if it's not you and other people have talked about this, sue me. When you're young, you are a self-generating motivation machine, or at least I was. But when you hit your 30s, that completely slows down. Things change. Your cells literally stop replacing themselves in the same way. And external factors become far more important in your life. And this is perhaps wired into us because traditionally we might be supporting a family you know, more often in our 30s. <clears throat> so in our childhood, we look to our family, right? for external validation, motivation, guidance, etc. In our teens, we traditionally look to our peers. In our 20s, we look to ourselves and the world. But in our 30s, as long as we've successfully navigated those phases and been professionally successful as Taz and Neo and Pasha have, <clears throat> that's a sign that they have successfully negotiated those phases, we begin to look inward again. So in our 30s, we begin to look back inward again and if we are still single and childless we will look inwards at ourselves but if we have a family we look to them if we have a wife or a partner we look to her or him and if we have children we look to them for motivation that's biologically how it's been for a very long time so this is no wonder that snacks was getting disgruntled in the team he is paired up with three people in their 30s who have children who have families Whereas he's in his 20s, he's still got stuff to prove. He's still carving out his identity. But when the momentum and a weight of a tournament as big as, say, Epicenter that we saw a few weeks ago, and the fans and the money and the hype is there, of course the older members of Virtus Pro are going to concentrate more, play better, hit their shots, go the distance, and suddenly become VP again, <clears throat> as people like to say. Because when you're that age, you need some sort of outside external call it artificial if you will, motivation. And that's what I don't hear anybody talking about in terms of Virtus Pro. It is not surprising that they're shit online and great offline because online, there's no pressure, really. There's no stakes. There's no presence. Let's move on to IEM Oakland. Now, I'm currently at the end of day two and I have to say this has been quite a difficult series to watch. So many games, so many matches, and it starts at 6 a.m. in my day and ends at 
2 p.m. So if I wasn't working, that would be perfect. However, uh, I have a life. And uh, unfortunately, not always compatible with the amount of CSGO that's going on, especially when you've got two streams. Um, I mean, look, I'm not complaining. There's a lot of great CSGO that's been playing, but we're going to have to skim over this pretty lightly. Otherwise, I'm going to get bogged down as uh, I am wont to do. Now, I'm going to start off with a play of the week. This was on day one, and this was Liquid versus Gambit on Mirage. It was round 29, and this is a tip for all of you casual puggers out there looking for a little technique to spice up your Mirage. Round 29, check it out, Liquid versus Gambit. Here's a great lesson on how to defend a site. Liquid are down 14 to 15. Gambit have the guns and all the utility. They do a full execute onto A site, smokes down, one smoke on jungle, one smoke on stairs, one smoke CT, Molly's sandwich, Molly under palace, blah, 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 blah. But Twist Z boosts up over the smoke with a CZ, I think it was over Stewie perhaps. And uh, for some reason, the two Gambit players kept on running towards the end of the bomb site to plant, and he killed them both with the CZ through the little gap between the stair smoke and the jungle smoke. And the reason this is so clever is because his mate was pressed up against the stairs, which means that he could boost very, very quickly and be on the very edge where the smoke just curled around and gave him a little sort of triangle to poke through. Very simple trick. Moses pointed it out on Twitter afterwards as well. So it wasn't just me impressed with the simple effectiveness of it. Check it out if you can. Find the VOD. If you've got someone in matchmaking who you can have basic communications with and you're playing jungle and he's playing con... The moment those smokes start, rain, start raining down, bring him over the stairs, get him to crouch down, and then become the hero of the team. Uh, FaZe had a very, very close game versus G2 and overpassed. And in the HLTV interview afterwards with Carrigan, he mentioned that when they're stuck, Nico came up with a brilliant idea, in his words, that could let us get back into the game and that got us into clutch situations in which we could finally close out the game. Which harks back to my point maybe last week, week before, that Carrigan really needs that secondary caller, alas, Cold Zero in uh, SK. So it appears that either Carrigan's been listening to this podcast or uh, that was simply going on without my knowledge. Um, probably the uh, latter is more um, realistic. Uh, but I think FaZe don't really have the T-side to back up their monster CT sides. Now, funnily enough, in the games played today on the second day, Yanka was talking about how monster um, FaZe's T-sides are. But to be honest, I don't think I've seen that. I see great holds on the CT side from FaZe. Like, really, really strong holds with Guardian, um, Olaf sometimes secondary orping, Nico and Rain just being sort of... Um, well, Rain especially being a defensive master. But I don't feel like their T sides really has this, the, the, the power of someone like, for instance, Gambit, who thrashed them today on Mirage. And could it be that Carrigan's not putting enough work into coordinated attacks? Could it be that he's not practicing hitting bomb sites in, in a well-thought-out way with fakes and good use of utility? I don't think that phase really have a great use of utility going on right now on their T-side. I don't see the coordinated smokes. I don't see the set plays. And I don't see interesting plays coming out of them. I think to rely on your entry fraggers or your, sorry, your, um, you know, your big names like Olaf and Guardian and Nico for getting aggressive on your CT side and locking down sites. That's one thing. But simply to let them kind of do their own thing on a T side just isn't good enough, especially when you're against these si- uh, sides like, um, well, for instance, G2. 
on this um, <clears throat> overpass map who have a, a similarly strong defense uh, and, and a comparable one to phase. Uh, so it's really hard for me to tell what it is, but in the final game um, of the day versus Renegades, the same thing happened. Renegades came back massively on train because uh, FaZe just couldn't get the T side going. FaZe, you know, I think they went up like 12-3 on the CT side and then, and then, you know, I think Renegades won something like 10 straight rounds or something ridiculous because FaZe could not penetrate either of the bomb sites. And so then fast forward to the second day and Gambit absolutely thrash, as I mentioned, FaZe on Mirage. Uh, which, you know, I mean, Gambit look like they're Kryptonite right now along with SK, but basically it seems because Gambit has some pretty good strats and just coordinating a few simple fakes and then pushing B, uh, you know, phase were over-rotating. They just didn't seem to be able to handle a very well-coordinated and thought-out attack. Um, obviously, Hobbit went massive, but uh, that is that is to be expected these days. Um, now the second day as well Astralis have now been knocked into 7th and 8th place along with Renegades who had some close games Astralis just uh, they look like they're in trouble they look like they're in trouble uh, as we've talked about they don't seem to be able to play their own game um, I think my theory that the break before the last major where they basically just studied a whole lot of SK demos I don't actually know that's, whether that's the case but that's what it seemed like has severely crippled their, um, how do you call it, self-determination or self-determining play style. And this this is just more evidence of it. Unfortunately for those boys, <coughs> Renegades, I thought, were in with more of a chance than the results have shown. But uh, nonetheless, I still think those guys are on the up and up. Envious on the ninth and 10th spot, despite the best efforts, up, uh, despite the best efforts of RPK, who's been basically the simple of envious in the last few tournaments he's just been going off g2 shares that spot and then finally liquid and mongols are the mongols are fighting out for the ninth and tenth no the 11th and 12th spots so steel's entry into liquid um i guess maybe that can be attributed to you know these these results can be attributed to that but um to be honest, I, I don't have a high opinion of that team, as you know, and I didn't really expect them to get much further than this. Cloud9 had some massive ups and downs thus far. They beat SK and Astralis on train too, but they've been trounced by NAP, absolutely trounced, and also by Envious on Overpass and Cobble. Hard to tell if this is a mental game or they're just kind of crap on these maps. I didn't get to watch the NIP games, so I can't comment on those guys, although this is quite exciting that they are... Top of one of these groups. Get right, he said in an interview. He's surprised that they picked overpass, that Cloud9 picked overpass. So obviously there's a bit of a shitty veto going on there too. I don't know if I've seen Cloud9 play overpass recently, but uh, obviously the wrong call against the Nip Daddies. Optic 2 were all over the shop. They play SK tomorrow, which Alu, in his final interview for the day, which was nice. Isn't it nice to see Alu, a.k.a. Donnie Wahlberg, have an interview for once? He has got to be the... Yeah, I mean, look, I've already had a whole segment about him on this podcast today. Um, 
look, he's not taking the place of uh, Bialy in my, um, you know, CSGO interview desire, desired interview rankings, but he's probably number two, two or three, or maybe he's a, he's a close 1.5. <clears throat> I'm a big fan. Anyway, <clears throat> he looked a bit nervous about SK tomorrow, which is fair enough. Optic probably don't have the, um, what do you call it, the uh, stability right now if SK decide to fire up. Let's move on, however, to the Toxic Player of the Week. And the Toxic Player of the Week this week goes to a young man by the name of Dog Act. Two words, all caps, Dog Act. Now, Dog Act. Playing with him on cash. Solo queuing. After the first few rounds, we're on the T side. We've lost the first few rounds. Somehow, no, we've we've won the first few and then lost, you know, a buy round or a gun round. And then Dog Act has about 9K while the rest of us just have enough to buy AKs except one guy who previously bought an AWP. So he doesn't have enough to, to buy an AK. So he asks Dog Act for a buy. Dog Act says, no. Why do you have so little money? He proceeded to then do the lone wolf thing for the rest of the game, whereas the other four of us, complete randos, were calling and communicating, etc., you know, discussing each other's feelings. Uh, and then at the end, Dog Act asked this exact same guy for a buy. I don't know whether he got the irony, but this guy goes, no, why should I? So then Dog Act proceeds to call us all Nova and that we're shit and we should own store because we're Nova trash, you know, the huge. And we're laughing at this point. So afterwards, I send Dog Act a friend request, not because I want to be his friend, but I wanted to message him. I didn't realize you could message people without requesting them as friends because um, I, I'm an old person. Um, so Dog Act messages me going, what? I said, Dog Act, I have a podcast. You should listen to the next step because I'm going to talk about you. He then tells me, you are just never trash. You should uninstall because you were shit. Bye. But he did it one word a message, so I got like 30 messages. So this guy was not 12, right? This is an angry young man. He sounded about, we sounded 18 at least. Now, Dog Act, if you have actually listened to this podcast, firstly, hello, how are you? Secondly, uh, even if your team is shit, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. It could be that your team are not warmed up or maybe have some bad rounds at the start, Right? A little positivity or encouragement that could see your team very, very quickly improve and you might go to bed a little less unhappy with yourself. You know, I was thinking about this idea of positivity and love recently. This girlfriend of mine, she was trying to tell me that love is a multiplier. You put it out there and it comes back to you in greater amounts. And alarms went off because, like, she's a very cute young woman. Obviously, that's her experience. (laughs) She puts out love and people give it back to her. Uh, but in my experience, as a dude, sometimes you put good vibes out there and the world says, fuck you. Or it says, you are an idiot for being too trusting and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abuse that. It laughs at you and it throws your positivity back in your face. Or worse still, it's completely indifferent. Now, young men like a dog act, I think, probably have had their trust damaged in this way. And I hope... Mr. Act, uh, you can find a way back to being open to the kindness of strangers because there's strangers out there who want to be friends with you. Believe it or not. Let's move on from the therapy hour and I might actually wrap this up. 
gambling app is still coming. I'm missing a story from someone who lost a bunch of money. I've had a couple of stories, but um, <coughs> they haven't fulfilled my liberal uh, left-wing bias. And they're actually people who are winning money, which is ironic. So if you've got a story where you've lost a bunch of money and you hate gambling, blah, 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 get in touch. The Truth CSGO Podcast at gmail.com. You will, of course, be anonymous. Um, I've just done a great interview with an owner of one of these, no, a developer of one of these sites. So that will be interesting. Uh, I'm still trying to get Sponge, aka Chad Birchill, still trying to get him on this podcast. Now, he's put out his email on his Twitter account. So I don't feel too bad sharing it here. It's chadspongeburchill at gmail.com. Chad, S-P-U-N-J, Birchill. And uh, I don't want you to spam him. Please do not spam him. But, you know, a well-thought-out email, just gently suggesting that if he's to remain relevant in the CSGO scene, he really must get on this podcast. That might help. A little gentle email just describing the intellectual heights reached on this podcast, the revolutionary insight, etc., etc. Plus, I promise you I will do a shoey on the air if he gets on this podcast. So if you're on Twitter, hashtag let's get sponge, make it a thing. Let's make a trend. Let's get the kids involved. Um, let's move on. This is the final segment for this episode, and it's a very special segment. It's very close to my heart, and uh, it's an ongoing concern of mine. It's an ongoing mm, struggle I have with playing Counter-Strike, and uh, it's all about adrenaline. Now, coming back into playing after a couple of weeks, I really notice how, you know, how much more the stress that I'm undergoing in my life really changes the game. If there's a clutch... It's as if I'll be flooded with even more adrenaline and I'll act more rationally. My aim is twitchier and harder to control. Now, we've talked about playing soccer on this podcast before. We've even had a motivational moment where I've shared with you a bit of motivational uh, material that has helped me when I've been down. But this week, I want to try something different. Sometimes, for me, when I'm playing, it feels as if some of the tension in my life actually comes out in these moments of adrenaline. It actually somehow is released in these adrenal glands and it affects the way I play and I don't want it to. So I want to try and experiment with you guys and it's meditation. I wonder if 10 minutes before starting to play, if I meditate just a little bit, will it make even a small difference? I have a hunch that being more present, being more focused, having better breathing, that can be achieved quite quickly. So I've decided to include a little 10-minute meditation here for you to try. Um, and obviously, if you're listening to this podcast in your car or whatever, stop the podcast after this little pricey and have a go at it before you play. Find a comfortable spot, a quiet spot, see if it makes a difference, and then get back to me. I'm going to try it too. I'll report back to you guys. Um, now, this particular audio, it's taken from a video by The Honest Guys. You can find them and support them on YouTube by searching for Mindfulness Meditation, The Honest Guys. You can also purchase this exact meditation on CD Baby by searching for the same terms. Some of you might be going, oh my God, how is he taking Counter-Strike so seriously? He's going to meditate before a game. Meditation has many, 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 many benefits. And if this will help motivate you to meditate, I'm talking about myself here, then it can only be a good thing. All right, give it a whirl. Good luck and enjoy the game. A Mindfulness Meditation During this meditation, we will focus on being mindful 
finding that point where you are completely aware of the now. Find a time where you will not be disturbed. Sit or lie down. Whatever thoughts come and go in your mind at this point, simply observe them as if from a distance. Notice your breathing, and especially the still point between breaths. Breathe in through the nose to a count of four, and out to the count of six. Strain to do these breaths, just do them as best you can whilst focusing on that still place between inhaling and exhaling. If thoughts intrude, see them as coloured balloons, as separate from you, and let them go. Let them float away. You are present now. You are not controlled by your thoughts. You can acknowledge that they are simply that, thoughts. They proceed from you, but they do not own you. You control them. Recognize that fact and let them go, to be driven away by the wind. Be conscious of the beat of blood within you. of the rhythm of your breathing, 
the brush of clothing against your skin. Feel the surface on which you sit, and how your body presses into it. Be aware of any scents that you can smell, or colours you can see. Notice the detail in the sounds you are hearing. Feel the temperature of the space you are in. Spend some moments simply being, being aware of all that is within you and around you right now, in this very moment. This is what it is to be mindful. When you are ready, begin to go about your daily life once again, content in the reassurance 
that you can return to this mindfulness guide whenever you choose. <laughs>